to down your unders. Down your unders. Review and dissection of content from some of the sharpest minds in the game. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Art of War. Down Under. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this uh, Best in Faction special with the Best in Faction podcast. I thought it was going to be a pretty hilarious way to get this thing off the ground. But yes, we are here to talk about all things Best in Faction, and I have the maestros of that. They're not the Marx Brothers, the maestros. I wrote that thing down thinking like this is the cheesy, corny joke I get in at the start that no one's going to laugh at, but I'll be highly amused. Hello, my good men, Chuck, Colin, and Mitch. How are you guys all doing today? Doing well. Yeah, good. My abs- my absolute freaking pleasure to have you three esteemed gentlemen with me. You are three guys that I f- all find uh, inspirational and I've turned to at different points in my life for advice for different things, which is quite interesting. And um been my absolute pleasure to chat to you guys to do this Best in Faction special. Now, this is a very interesting and topical content for a lot of reasons. But before we do that, um, which one of you would like to tell some people about the Best in Faction podcast, what you guys do, and who's going to plug you guys the best? Rob just waiting for um, Colin to say it's him. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fair. I was thinking that I was thinking that this isn't our show, so I don't have to talk as much. That's what I was thinking. Oh, but but I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> I'm I'm happy to pitch it if you guys would like me to. Do it, do it, man. All right. The Best Infection Podcast is a about wow three year Mitch. Is that right? What was that now? Is it a three year old podcast? Yeah, we're yeah, three years yeah, old at yeah, least. No. I've, I've listened Maybe to every four. single episode. You are th- you're about three years old. Yeah. So we're a, a three-year-old uh, competitive fo- competitively focused podcast. What that means to us is uh, we specifically pay attention to what does it take to win? What do you take in your army? How do you pilot it? How do you become a good player? How do you take care of your health? How do you take care of your mental health? How mm. do you practice? How do you learn? Um, what do you take away? Uh, we, we, the, uh, the chapter tactics people called us the uh, show your work podcast, uh, which we we were fine with. I think actually we were all proud of that. Uh, so mm-hmm. uh, that's yeah. what we're all about. Uh, we uh, ha- we record every uh, two weeks. We also have a stream that's very active, and uh, we also are the people that run Charity Hammer, which uh, of course Adam per- was a part of last year. So uh, just w- May is when we will be three years old as a podcast. I just looked. So very right, soon. Cool. Oh, very soon. Amazing. Hey. Yeah, great. Yeah, that's actually a great achievement, guys. There's so many, unfortunately, so many kind of flash in the pan podcasts that come out of our scene, our community. Me having run a couple of them myself. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> awesome, awesome achievement, gentlemen. Um, you guys are streaming a lot on Twitch at the moment. Where can people find that? Uh, Twitch and YouTube both, actually. YouTube's easy because it's this Bifpod, B-I-F-P-O-D. Uh, Twitch yep. is Twitch.tv slash B-I-F-P-O-D, and our we update news about the podcast. We just use facebook.com slash Biffpod. We don't have our, we don't manage our own website. Totally fair enough. What is Charity Hammer for people who may have been living under a rock, who have, may have joined the community recently? What is it? Why should they love it? Where can they find it? Uh, every year, uh, we, well, basically every year I invite the best players I know. And when I say best, I don't just mean the best at the game. I mean the best ambassadors for the game. And we invite them uh, to my home where we do a stream marathon. Uh, that is two, formerly was two days long, but will now be three days long. And we will do three different streams at the same time. And we don't, some of us don't sleep. I know that the Falcon doesn't sleep. That's just hard part of it, part of the deal. And we, uh, 
Uh, stream the highest, most competitive play that we can. We do a tournament as part of that, so you get to see every game of the tournament. We interview the players, we talk about the game, and we do everything we can to be entertaining while also educating. And we do all of this for free to raise money for the uh, um, Child's Play uh, charity, which is a charity uh, by the Penny Arcade guys, the comic guys. And basically what it does is it makes sure that uh, children's hospitals are stocked with toys and games and things. Uh, kids at hospitals, pretty pretty lame, pretty boring. Uh, it's mm -hmm. a really big deal to the kids to have things to entertain them. So that's what we do. And then this year, uh, I'm going to try to find an international children's charity to, to donate some of the money to as well. Uh, because it was pointed out correctly last year that uh, Child's Play is only in America, and that's since so many Warhammer fans are around the world. And in fact, I'd say a solid 25% of the money that we've raised so far is from other countries. It's unfair to to not think about that as well. So that's the change we'll be making this year. Uh, altogether, over three years, we've raised $45,000 for charity. It's for it's, Yeah, it's uh, an incredible $45,000 Amer American, I guess I should say. Yeah. That's a, that's a lot of freedom dollars. <laughs> and, yes. Yeah, it, many an freedom thing. dollars. I'm really, it's it's a thing that I was very proud to be a part of, and hopefully it's a thing that people can be proud to put their dollars towards, because it is an indictment of, upon the maturity of our scene and our community that we can come together and do things like this. And hopefully things like this only get bigger and better as our community grows. Uh, but gentlemen, to the meat and potatoes of today's discussion. But before that, sorry, I jumped the gun a little bit. Art of War Down Under is a two-part podcast, as you many of you will know. First part being now hosted by us, by Art of War, either on our website, on the Patreon for the time being. Um, please jump over to Patreon and search The Art of War uh, Down Under to find the part ones of these, which will be up for public consumption at the same time that they were on the Frontline Gaming Network, that being 7 o'clock in the morning at Central Time on Thursdays, and or on the theartofwar40k.com website. You can find us there if you do like what we do we do a second part of this podcast for your purchase for your patronage um and for this one it will be a continued discussion of best in faction what it takes to win one avoiding the pitfalls associated with trying to go for one of these and a lot more of the juicy and fun details about the three gentlemen i have joining me please jump over get involved if you so like and uh yeah let's jump into the goodness what okay i'll chuck this over to, to mitch first what is a best in faction award and what does it mean um okay so it, it's meant different things um, over time, I think. So the, the core best in faction award is for like majors. They will give out at a lot of events, the person who did the best with each faction and they might have mm -hmm. like a cool little trophy or gift card or certificate or whatever that is. And that's like the core thing of best in faction, right? Best in faction is designed to reward the enthusiast side of like, I mm -hmm. love this faction more than I love winning. Like and that's a good and that's a good thing in the community. We recognize that we want that because it creates more variety in the armies we see in play. Right? We don't all want to see everyone playing like th the three different armies that match up really well together. That's not fun yeah. for anybody. Um, so from there, obviously, it became with the ITC winning a best in faction award for the season. So whoever performed the best out of a certain number of events, <laughs> and the the um, I think the biggest change came. Um, couple years ago now where best in faction became you had to win with just that faction um uh in your army so now best in faction um when we're talking about the itc is really as uh, it's the fanboy award of mm. i did the best with my most favoriteest army boys i like i went to enough events and i won or i won or did well enough at enough events that no one else was able to get more points than me 
um, with this faction, right? And that's yeah, and it really be. It, I think, and I think that that's what's kind of cool about it is, is it, it's. It, you don't go after best in faction for the like, oh, I am the best player. It's like, no, I this is my army. This is the stuff yeah. I know, right? Yeah. Uh, Chuck, anything to add to that? Oh, I would say that the, the part that I think is really interesting to it is, particularly in the ITC version, is that that becomes different levels of competition. Mm. Um, if you're looking at an army that's good, uh, right now I'm looking at sisters, so I'll, think, I'll say that. If I want to get best in faction sisters, I've got to go out there and get a record that's better than Nick Nottavati's. Correct. But yeah. if I want to get best in faction Zeech, there's a <laughs> lot lower bar. But obviously I'm going to be playing an army that's a little bit less powerful. So there's almost a, a give and take you know, decision there of like, can I take this side army and do better than most people are doing with it so that I can get this? Mm. Or am I, you know... Am I just making it so I lose a bunch of events by going? Uh, with the <laughs> That's a really good point, Chuck. It, it, they do both. exist on a curve. They do exist on a curve for sure. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, Colin, uh, have you won any best infections? I have not. You've not, but you've come very close, haven't you? I think you're very close to winning the Eldar best infection. Is it 2018 or 2019? <laughs> I think I got third uh, for uh, Craftworld Eldar. Uh, whatever the last real season of 40k mm. was um 2019 yeah. season um I, and i did well that was an interesting season because i got third in eldar and i got like sixth in tau which was hilarious because i took Tau to five tournaments yeah um and then i did and i've also done well i've also done well in tyranids before uh finishing behind the year before i finished it behind uh only alex and somebody else maybe john probably john Lennon, so that's the uh and that's the full that's so the full year I, i've been top five a few times yeah that's the full year internationally these things are very hard to win to win like an end of season itc uh, uh has, has anybody won one of them uh, amongst us like the, the full international yes I won, <laughs> yeah uh, i won uh imperial guard and space wolves in the which same year wow which year, in the same which year. year was that i believe that was 2017 Nice. And then, I'll be, and then um, I was on track to be in the in the talk for those factions um, in twenty nine or twenty eighteen, but then I got injured, and so that never. Mm. And I haven't played since. But yeah, that was that. I I I won Imperial Guard by one point seven points or something over Brandon mm -hmm. Grant. Grant, yeah, because because he didn't bring them to LVO. Yeah, um, he brought Dark Angels, and I beat the guy who who would have taken Best Space Wolf from me for not because I took Guard instead of Space Wolves to LBO in I think my third round on the first day of LBO, and wow. that was the game that decided that I won it. I got to play in it. See, I love that stuff. That stuff is just cool stories because what it happens at that level, even some things that happen with Best in Faction at like the the national level or even the regional level, is you'll have you'll have a, an event within an event, like between you and your competition in a certain faction. It's just like okay, it doesn't matter if I win this; I just need to get higher than X. Or mm -hmm. uh, he, he's he's got he's got three events. He's he's getting his fourth event. I've already got my five events, and he's on my tail. So I need to get this amount of score to to lock him out or to to keep this competitive. I love that. I love adding that kind of flavor well, and depth. I, I think what you're hitting on there, Adam, is it's the 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 reason that we called it best in faction. The reason that like it, it was something I've always felt drawn to is it. You feel like you're in the hunt, mm. right? It is so hard to win number one in the ITC. Like one person is going to do it, right? 
Yeah. Yes, you, certain people 100% feel like they're in the hunt for that, and that is a thrilling thing. But for everybody else who maybe wants to play, you know, an army that is never going to let them achieve that, or you know, and that, those are the armies that that those are the models that speak to them. You know, they they're going for best Nurgle. They're going for whatever mm. that army is, and they still get to feel in the hunt, and it allows every event to have meaning for those players as well. And that's that's the meat and potatoes like of of the tournament scene. It's not the people who are hunting for first place in in the overall ITC. It's the people who are hunting for maybe first place or top three podiums for mm-hmm. the major the one of the three majors they're able to go to other than LVO because it puts them in the running for the faction that they care yeah, about so much. Right. Exactly that's right. that's the and that's where the cool like little stories are. Like you said, I think a great example of what you're talking about is uh last LVO the last LVO we had um was for Necrons. Um there were like four different people who were contending for uh first place of Necrons and they were all at the event and they were all sitting at the same table talking to each <laughs> other about like like everything that's going on and like that was that's such a cool little microcosm of of the competitive scene. And they'd all been playing the same damn list for nine months straight. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the lists are similar to each other. Exactly right. That's what I meant. Like they're all playing exactly yeah. the same list. It's a mirror across four dudes because that's just what the Necrons were at the time. And that's another bit of depth as well. So that you can get some guys that innovate against each other. Like if you're in a small scene and you're the best, you know, Eldari player, and you've got another very good Eldari player nipping at your heels, you can start teching for that guy. Um, you can start teching for each other. That if you do come into the mirror, you can knock each other out and be the one to decide your own fate. I like that stuff as well. Um, Chuck, what's your history with Best in Faction awards? Well, um, the bridesmaid. Uh, yeah. I think since ITC started, I've come up third or sec- second a bunch of times. I actually have a best in faction for painting with Siege. Nice. Um, yeah. Other than that, I've won a ton of the just like tournament events that way. Yep. Not 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 the ITC best in faction, but just you know go to an event, uh, particularly when you're playing orcs, um, and my, my army looks good and that counts. Towards mm. it, I, I tend to bring that kind of reward home pretty regularly. Nice, man. So what were the ones you came to the bridesmaids in for the, the, the comp- competitive oh, I, side? I've done Tau, several layers of kinds of chaos, um, <laughs> and all the different ways that it's cut. I can't remember exactly. Um, and then Orcs is probably the one where I got the best with that. I think I got a second place out of that one year. That was uh, the second or the second last or last year of 7th edition, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was. Uh, I remember. I remember hearing your your name for the first time around that time, being like, "This guy's a, a bit of a gun uh, with the green skins." Jumping over to Colin now. You so said your podcast was started, and it's called Best in Faction. Why did you start a podcast like that, and how does that link to our topic? Well, it's an interesting thing because I think that uh, when we started the show, it meant something different to us than it does. Yes, now. exactly, and. Uh, I can't speak. I can't speak to that to every for everybody on the show. So I'll let Chuck or Mitch say what it means to them. But basically, um, when I got into the competitive scene in the fall of well, I don't know, 2016, 2017, 2017. Uh, when I got in, yeah, so it's twenty is the season that you won the book, Mitch, because I've, I've now put the mm-hmm. they don't make sense yep. in my head now. Yep. So, uh, so in twenty seventeen, I started in the fall in the competitive scene. And I had some immediate success, and I got, as I often do with pet hobbies, I got obsessive. <laughs> and I spent all, literally all of my time focused on Warhammer, and I met Mitch. And Mitch at that time was someone I could learn a lot from. He's still someone I can learn a lot from, but especially at that time. And we started working on guard together. And uh, 
when the new year started, we both started, I, I switched off of guard and started doing other stuff. And Mitch basically said, you know, we should do a podcast because no one's talking about competitive 40. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, some people are. And Mitch is like, well, nobody's talking about competitive 40 K the way that they should be. And I, th- and I, it took you, I don't know, Mitch, two months to convince me that it was a good idea. Uh, it was all Mitch. Like Mitch is, I, I refer to Mitch as the godfather of the, of our podcast. Like it, it was not me. I'm the one that does the organizing now, but it wasn't my idea originally. Mm. So Mitch, uh, pitched it to me over and over again. And my attitude was, look, nobody wants to hear what I have to say. <laughs> nobody. I like, I literally, Mitch, do you remember? I literally said that yeah. to you. I relate to that sentiment so, so hard. So, <laughs> I think, I think for, so for me, um, I thoroughly enjoyed other podcasts that tried to compete, uh, cover the competitive scene, but I, what they were go- covering, like like with chapter tactics, I loved like like the the back and forth with Jeff Robinson and everything mm. that was going on. It was an amazing podcast that I really really enjoyed. But they would never go into like the the, the way the matchups played off each other. They just talk about the list, and it was always just the list, list, list. And that frustrated me mm-hmm. because I was like, okay, yes, I understand why this list is good, but I want to understand how these matchups played out. Because that's 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 the sauce, right? Like that's yeah. how you get to be a better player. And so, with Colin, you know, and and I playing a ton together, and just being like, okay, we're both really you know oriented in the same direction. We were at slightly different positions in in like the field of like I w- I had already had some tournament success, and he had had tournament success, but then he was trying entirely new different armies because he realized that 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 was just the math, right? He that that was. You know, I, I I put together the the or not me, but Colin put together the best guard army he could, and it just won because it was great at great at the time. And then as things changed, he had to adapt, and that created a compelling narrative. I felt like of like Colin's trying to figure out what army he wants to play, and he's totally come into his own now, which is really cool to have, to see for like you know we're almost three years in now. Colin's putting together wholly original lists, and he's trying to stretch factions in all new ways and tackle that stuff that and that's been the growth of the podcast and i think that it's been cool because um oh, obvi- um our fan base has has kind of grown with that and we yeah. it, it really timed out with how the blossoming of the community of the competitive scene over I really, the last I, few years i really love how you describe that like so, so it's almost like it's a three-year journey for for colin that, and and sorry it's, it's awesome that you and chuck mitch have come at this Is it over? at different directions <laughs> no, but i was just i was actually gonna maybe we'll do a, a different podcast on this because i've just had a spark of inspiration and you almost said there that it's taken like a good two or three years of colin operating at a top level to come to into, into like self-determination as in like fully original lists, highly optimized for his own play set, his own skill set, how he wants to play the game. I love the, I love the, is that, is that something you'd speak to Colin? Yeah. So, and, and I, I should, do you want me to finish telling you why it's called the best? Yeah, sure. Sorry. <laughs> Cause you asked me that. <laughs> yes, got, fine. No, it was, no, it's, it was totally on me, Mitch. I got completely lost in the, in the story. Um, we called it best in faction because the idea was, uh, we were going to go and win best in faction awards that year. Mm-hmm. And it was going to be about our adventure. Yeah. I started with Necrons, and I think Mitch, you—I don't, I don't remember—you were playing Spacefalls or something. And Guardian, part of the way in yeah. the year they changed the way Best in Faction. I might have been Guard again, yeah. Uh, part of the way in the year they changed how Best in Faction worked, um, and that actually made it less appealing for me personally. Yep. Um, but as we talked about it, we realized that what the show is really about 
is being the best at what you want to do. Mm. And it doesn't have anything to do with the ITC award. And it doesn't have anything to do with the, with winning a, uh, winning a, a token at a tournament. Cause you were the best guard player there. It's, I want to play guard better than everybody else. How am I going to do that? Yeah. And so as we do content, we try really, really hard to talk about even the have nots in the game. So we did our tier list, which the community loved. Making fun <laughs> of us more, that's great. Uh, it was hilarious. Yes. We did our tier list a few weeks ago and in our tier list, we talked about every faction and what you should take, even if you're an F tier faction, even if you're a, even if you're a pack minus faction, because those people also want to win. And those people can be the best in their faction. Like Mitch said earlier, uh, you know, only it's not, it's not realistic for most people to think about winning the ITC. I would go even farther. I would say that there's only about a hundred people that should even realistically be thinking about it. And of those hundred people, like 15 of them are actually possible. Yeah. Either, either like because. you could, Adam and I, Adam, you and I, with everybody we know, we could probably come up with a 20 person list that has a hundred percent chance of winning. Let's say 98 yeah. has a 98% chance of winning, winning the LBO next year. Yeah. Right. Well, and legitimately, they're, so, they're all like, you can't compete with those people. Yeah. There are like a hundred people in contention for it, but you know, 30 will drop off because of, of life or circumstances changes. Mm-hmm. 30 will drop off because they can't make a key date. Another tw- another 10 will drop off through sickness or, you know, oh, they had a kid or, you know, whatnot. And then you've got 10 that are going to be, or 20 that are going to be prime for a whole season, have no complications and can make the full run at it. Is that a good enough at the game? So you're absolutely right, right. Colin. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to be, you also need to be young and you need to have discretionary income and free time. Yes. And if you don't have those three things, you can't do it. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, go ahead, Colin. No, no. I was just gonna. I was just gonna. I was actually gonna transition to asking, answering Adam's more recent question. But go for it. I was gonna say. So I think that Colin's really touching on best in faction. Felt like the more attainable goal Mm. for a broader audience. And I think that like anyone who's listened to our podcast, especially since I've been toing, I I say over and over again, I care about the mid tier and the lower tier players far more than the high tier. Those yep. guys are addicted. They're going to show up no matter what. They are yep. They are occupying themselves. I need to make sure everybody else is having a good time. Dude, and, spot on. And, 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 that's, and that's the thing is best in faction is something you can, even if you don't get the best, you can be the best in your region. Like there's, there's mm. so many layers to it. And no matter what, it's always going to be what all of these awards actually are, which is a little fanboy badge of honor, which is yep. great. But it, it's the most honest about it in a lot of ways. Like of like you know, like people get kind of like ITC champion. It's like yes, he got the most points with the plastic soldiers. He's really good at he's really good at the game. But it's yeah, it's still yeah. just a fanboy badge of honor. He showed up at the most events and was able to Abs- do it. Absolutely right? nailed. Absolutely nailed it, Mitch. And um, that's kind of the point I think that uh, Colin was working towards as well. This yeah. is something that rewards anybody and it's a reward for passion and dedication rather than an itc award being a reward for flexibility like you said colin uh uh, youth uh disposable income the ability to travel time time (laughs) investment this is dedication and passion that's what you get rewarded for for a best in faction it's universally appealing to pretty much everyone at every level like nobody's going to be unhappy being recognized for being the best at the thing that they're most passionate about inside a game that they're super (laughs) passionate about you know it's always going to be right there's no like monetary award for it or anything it is purely bragging rights you get a trophy at most like that's yeah. it, like which is great. Like it, like that that that's authentic to the hobby and what it you know like in that pursuit for for what best in fashion should be, which is it's the enthusiast competitive competitive class. Mm. Um. 
sorry, sorry. Uh, we'll get back to you in a second, Chuck, if you've got anything to add to this. But Colin, um, to that other question I put to you, uh, and almost a, a, smart, a slight segue or topic change. And just to remind me, it was about my the, kind of the change over the three years for me. Yeah, I'd like. Do you do you feel like it's taken you two or three years to get to that point of self actualization within the competitive kind of sphere? I'd say it's closer to two. Well, it's a great, mm. but yeah. Well, twenty twenty was robbed from all of us. So. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So I think that um, one of the things that people don't uh, anticipate is that there is a particular way that your personality is going to want to play Warhammer. Mm. Um, Nick, uh, Nick Nonavati tends to make lists that are very cautious and calculated and stay back. Uh, the example that he always used to use back, uh, was that Matt Root makes lists that are hyper aggressive and go flying at your opponent's face. That's two very different ways of playing Warhammer. And you're probably going to naturally want to do one more than the other. And it's very difficult to force yourself to do the wrong one. My core problem, my two problems, one of which is that I just get bored easily and have to switch armies a lot, which is really not a great uh, trait if you're trying to win a best in faction trophy. But um, I think that I had to move around from army to army for two different reasons. One is that the way that I want to compete is to have the knowledge. I want to know how everything's going. I want to know how every army works. I want to know how they all interact. I want to know how they all fight each other. Mm -hmm. And I also want to know I also want to find the one that's going to fit the best for me. So Guard was fun, but then Tyranids was amazing. And then Double Spear Yanari was incredible and the most fun I had ever had playing 40k. And it's not from what people think, because yes, it was way too powerful and it needed to go away. It's not That's not what was up. It, winning was great. And winning a lot helped the podcast a lot. I won a lot in a row and that helped the podcast a ton. That's all wonderful and that all felt great. The big thing was that that list was fast and aggressive and smart and finessey and tricky and i loved it and then i every once in a while i get distracted like chuck making fun of me for playing dark angels a few <laughs> weekends ago and doesn't fit my style at mm. all and he's right and he's right and so now that i've found the type of style that i want to play and that comes naturally to me which is basically that speed is like cocaine directly into my veins <laughs> uh, i'm just i i just have to have the speed and the finesse and the jank um now that i know that it's allowed me to take all of the rest of those experiences and build them into a generalized knowledge of the game. But what I'm really good at now is the particular kinds of lists that I want to play. So I made an Eldar list that won a bunch of stuff and gained some popularity at the end of um, 2019 that was exactly me. Mm. It was hyper-efficient shooting and board control, and it pushed on my opponent, and it gave them, gave them really difficult decisions. And it was, it was very much me, and that was actually the list where I felt where I started getting messages from randos on the internet about my list, like, hey, can you talk me through this and can you talk me through that? And I won, I don't know, three tournaments in a row with it or something. And that was like, that was it. That was the moment where I was like, yeah, okay, this all makes sense. And then a year of COVID happened. And during that year, I found that as rules came out, it's easier for me now than it ever has been before to read them through and come up with what's happening. The uh, the Dark Angels list that I played a bunch on stream, I, I made that. Yep. Like, it had ideas from other people, but I, I made it. I didn't I didn't copy someone else, and it worked great. So uh, that's fun. That's great, but it took a lot of time, and it wasn't just time playing. It was time playing different armies for me, and it was actively, actively trying to learn the game as a student because if you don't know what every army other army does, 
you can't really make a top tier list. Yeah, correct. And, and very well, very, very well said. I think that's that shows the the journey in and of themselves, just the way you described that, going through having to play defensive and aggressive and finding really your niche <laughs> with the cocaine in your veins of having speed, <laughs> uh, being like the activator of your skill set. I think that's you really- started yelling, witness me a lot more. <laughs> very noticeable change. <laughs> um, next time, next, starting off with- I don't think, I, I thought- Chuck knows me about better than almost anyone else, and I don't think that I don't think Chuck, you would disagree with my assertion that it's all about the speed for me. Oh no, I I'll tell you when we're playing the Dark Angels game you referred to, there was temptation on my part to put my stuff far away from you just to watch you agonize over the fact that you couldn't interact <laughs> with my army. Like it was yeah. so palatable on your face. You're just like, why do these guys only move five inches? I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, and, and stay, sorry, staying staying with you, Chuck. So you've had a quite a long and successful history in the game. Um, do do you find yourself uh, naturally drawn to certain factions, and do you find that you are always wanting to gain some level of dedication or faction mastery to certain uh, play styles or you know super factions? It's interesting. Um, I think probably more so than Mitch and uh, Colin. I'm also a hobbyist. Yep. Um, I enjoy the process of making my armies very beautiful and everything. And that cuts into my decisions about what I play. Mm. Right. Um, I have orcs in chaos because that's my aesthetic. Um, I Brilliant. like, I like orcs for where they are. Um, right now I'm on a, a weird little experiment to try out sisters. And I started my interest in sisters on their mechanics entirely. Um, nice. Okay. I'm not so particularly be fond of their fluff. Um, I'm doing some hobby stuff. I'm going to make them look really cool, but it's not, it's a different kind of experience. Um, mm. And I think that's an important choice um, because I'm really enjoying playing them and they're also very powerful. So that helps. Fun. Yeah. Well, see, I, I relate to that quite a lot. I'm, I'm quite a passionate hobbyist myself. And if I don't enjoy building and painting an army, I'm not going to enjoy, I'm not going to be able to stay, go the distance on them long enough to mm-hmm. go for go for a best in faction. I'm, not, I'm not just not going to be invested enough. Yeah, I actually did quite a bit of uh, basically test models <laughs> until I found a, a paint that I liked enough that I was just going to do that. For the army, so in it like chaos is a big faction. Uh, are you are mm-hmm. you demons? Are you CSM? Are you Black Legion? Are you Alpha Legion? Are you Zinch? Are you Nurgle? <laughs> My first army was Space Wolves, uh, so that's where I started <laughs> chaos. So cool. Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm fine with he, that. That he doesn't care where the blood flows. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, but no, Chaos Space Marines was the next thing. But I wanted Chaos Space Marines who were summoning demons. So I've always had a little bit of both. Yep, that's um, it. Word bearers are probably you know the space for me. You'll note my sister's a battle. I actually painted in word bearer colors. Uh, hint. Sick. <laughs> yep, sick. Uh, so I like that mix. Um, I love Zeech. Um, the I have a dark style to my hopping, and so picking up bright colors is good. And then they're the most flexible mm. um, faction of them. They unfortunately haven't been really good since a certain white dwarf a very long time ago. But, uh, <laughs> Fate, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly right. It's it's almost like your Faith Weaver's not good, Zinch isn't that good. Um, no. <laughs> it's like when Faith Weaver's good, Zinch is baller. Uh, it, it's really interesting. Um, but in talking about that, do you feel some propensity to aim for faction masteries, or do you, or you're always jumping around within that super faction, or changing your style or your orc style when you're playing orcs? Um, faction mastery is good for me because you know just like learning all the the bits. Like I, I really like the nuance of the game. When it comes down to like, oh, I remembered this strat, so I get this benefit right here, and I would I would normally forgotten it if I was not somebody who used this mm. faction all the time. Um, 
but I did put a lot of effort into Chaos in Last Edition, and it's playstyle wise, like it doesn't match me terribly well. So that was almost like a yep, yeah, fair. A, a waste of effort, right? I put um, it in the wrong place. So transitioning over to, I think I think I'll hit on Mitch with this one with a faction mastery. So you're somebody who's very much a dedicated uh, Imperium player to all intents and purposes. And more than that, Guard is your wheelhouse. And I have a lot of similarities there with you. Um, do you feel like you are able to get faction mastery quick, more quickly because you're always dedicated to that? So in, in like a, an addition change or a codex change, you just know the base mechanics so well, you're able to pick it up and absorb it quicker? Um, no, I don't, I, I don't think that, that that's really how I approach things personally. I, I find... You need to understand all the other armies as well. Mm -hmm. I play Imperium because they're the models I like. They're the aesthetic I like. I have a lot of them. I enjoy them. I have been tempted to play GSC. Um, I, you know, like I've owned Eldar armies. Um, I've never been able to bring myself to put them on the table, you know, like that. But, you know, one day maybe I can sell my soul. Um, <laughs> but no, it's, it, it, the, I just really like the Imperium. And what I think it, what I actually do think it benefits me on is, I don't need to keep track of a bunch of data sheets that don't really coexist in harmony. Um, yeah. So, so my, my faction, like from, from faction to faction, well, most space Marines are very similar. Like, yes, there are, there's lots of nuances and differences and tons of rules that I'm, I, I certainly am not super up on right now, but when you're in it and you're playing it, um, you know, you're able like, you know, in normal times we get inconsistent games in, I find that, you know, a Valkyrie has done the same thing. It's always done since, you know, I started playing again in seventh edition. You know, it hasn't really changed. Like bits of it have, but the 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 like the familiarity is there. Same thing with the guard yeah. squad. You know, a lot of these units have continued to function the same way. So there's a there's a comfort and a familiarity there, but mm -hmm. I, I I just mainly find that I don't ever have to wonder if I if I can splash something in. Because I play one effectively army. Yeah. If, so, I, if I'm like, hey, what if what if what if a Majera would be really good with twelve mortifiers? Let's, yeah. Like I don't have to wonder if that that will combine. It will. That's the I think the advantage. Mm. And so in saying that, the years that where you won uh, best in faction internationally for guard and space wars, did you feel like you had faction mastery of either or either or both of those at the time? So uh, space wolves, I feel like I did for sure. The mm. the problem that they ran into. Um, so I was playing them um, at the end of 7th and then into 8th. And at the end of 7th, they were great because you had the Black Mains formation yeah. and all those drop pods. Like, uh, you're dropping 12 drop pods on your opponent, turn 1, and you null deploy. It's very hard to interact with that. It's mm. just really strong. Um, especially back then when it, you couldn't zone out drop pods, uh, you just were making me be more precise because I, I wouldn't scatter because you put units everywhere. Um, so it was a different function, right? Like, so it was a mastery of a board control through mechanics they had access to. Um, guard, I, I don't know that I, I, I feel like I got there with guard, um, especially when, at, to the point where it, in the Castellan list and stuff. But that earlier, um, uh, when I when I actually won best in faction, I was running all the Hellhounds and stuff. Yep. That was a very it was. It, it was far. It was an army that had a lot more depth than than it looked like on the surface. And I think what Guard always taught me 
was, hey, we're cheap. You can always pack a few tricks in. And and it, it that's always carried over to any other army I play. I feel like you need to be able to pack in a few tricks. Like, I don't like any army where I'm like, oh, that's what it does. Mm. Like, if, if, if there's not something that my opponent can forget about so that I can hopefully take advantage of, I, I don't like that, right? Like, I want there to be those extra things that, that put more mental load on my opponent because they have to keep track of whether or not I'm able to do it. Yep. No, that's, that's very well said. Um, jumping over to Colin, um, you're somebody who I believe is quite well known for, I suppose, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but when I hear you talking about the things you've been successful with, I hear you talk about lists more than I hear you talk about factions. You talk about double speed Yanari rather than talking about Yanari or, or Eldari. You talk about Kraken Steelers more than you talk about Tyranids. Do you think you've, you, you get more of a list mastery than a faction mastery? And do you think, how do you think that has helped or hindered your success? Hmm. That's a really good question, Adam. Well, <laughs> um, I usually refer to it that way. I usually refer to it that way for the sake of communication, yep. because when I was playing Double Spirinari, there was like five different archetypes of uh, um, of Eldar lists. But now that you say it that way, um, let me think. I think that uh, I am not a hobbyist the way a lot of people are. I do. I have pretty. I do really like the the hobby aspect of it. Not in the same way Chuck does. I like working together with my wife, and she does by far the heavy lifting. Um, Sweet arrangement, by the way. But awesome arrangement. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, it's it's really it's really quite great. I really do love it. I I did actually get. Um, I did win best hobby for um, Craft World Eldar in 2019, mm. um, in the ITC. But I promptly brought it home and put it in my wife's office. So, um, <laughs> I knew what was up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it has my name on it, but you know, she's got the same last name, so it's probably fine. Anyways, I think that uh, I'm not somebody who plays garbage for the sake of garbage. And a lot of other people are, right? Like people that really love their factions tend to play everything in there for fun and mess around. And I only put things on the table if I think that they're ridiculously good. I, ju- I just in general, like even if Chuck and I are doing experimentational lists we we're doing those lists because we presume that there's something there not because we just want to see well you know i want to play with monoliths so let's put monoliths on the table right Mm. like that's not really who i am so when i so for me it is it is very much about coming up with a list idea that that i believe is competitive and then and then revving on it and working on it and making it as good as it possibly can and then saying okay this list time is done now it's time to move on um, and there's a, there's a, there's something happening right now that, that ha- is in my brain about that of, I've been winning a lot with my double, with my, uh, with my Tyranid list, which is Dabakarons and other stuff. And it's great. And it's super good. It wanted John Lennon took it to a GT and won with it, uh, two weeks ago. Um, it's super great, but every time a rule set comes out that has more D three plus three damage mm-hmm. shooting every mm-hmm. single time we have a conversation is this dead. Is it time to move on to the next Tyranid list? What would that be? Where was that coming from? When do we get rules? Like, there's constantly that. But if it's not time to move on, it's time to rev on the thing that you're doing. And I do that more than I come up with a brand new idea. Part of that's a hobby thing, too, though. I don't want to have to build a whole nother yeah. army yep. on a whim, right? If I have something that's winning, I'd rather rev on that thing than do something else. Yeah, entirely. so you, you pick a a sphere or an archetype and innovate within it rather than the whole, the faction as a whole when the times get tough. But you know, th- things do naturally come to an end. Like everything kind of has a shelf life in 40 K, which is, uh, and you, you yep. hit on, 
the point I was trying to make probably perfectly. Um, when the when the going gets tough, what do you do? And you say you, you riff on the thing that's already shown you success. Don't drop it like you know. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think that's a really good point for people who are going for faction mastery. I see I see it happen all the time. People are onto a a good archetype. They're onto a good thing. They've got a strong play in their head, and then they go to a a, a, a good sized tournament, get knocked down by a big fish who has a counter has a counter play, and then drop it. I think those are the kind of things that people who aren't going for first places should be holding on to. The things that will consistently get you a four and one. Yeah. Yeah. I also think that there's a lot to be said for having practiced with a particular mm. faction. Um, I think that the like the level Alex McDougall and I are great friends, and he's he and I are equivalently skilled. Basically, we were talking about this yesterday, but he only plays Tyranids and GSC yep. ever, and I move away to other armies and then come back. Mm. And it's interesting how much more just general, like when I come back, he's ahead of me um, in the ability to play the army. And there's things that he remembers and there's things that he knows about. And there's like, there's a lot to be said for putting in a ton of reps with one particular faction and get, and getting to a point where you are just better, like, especially with an obscure faction, like Skari has done with Dark Eldar and Alex with mm. Tyranids. It's like, I have this thing. You haven't played against it very much. I know every rule to this army very well, and I know exactly what's going to happen. And you don't, because you because this is an obscure thing that I know better than anyone. I think that is a I think that that is an excellent place to be in 40k. It's not the only place to be. I think jumping armies is also has its own mm. strengths. Um, I but so, I think that that path of like yeah, go ahead. See, I find that kind of a, that opponent terrifying. Um, you know, the guys playing the middle list, I kind of understand what they're doing and such. But you go to that person who has really dive deep into that faction understands all their pieces and shows a lot of uh shows a lot of results there you don't know what they're going to do mm. they're going to pull something you're not ready for at all so i don't know i, wor I worry about those people <laughs> they will uh they will well, sideline your tournament uh, dreams pretty quick. Well, that's exactly right. If you if you want to know what a medalist does, just pay attention to any one of the now thousand podcasts that was semi that kind of followed in your guys' footsteps, and you can just hear about the next hot thing that you got to watch out for at the tournament, or you can listen to uh, Art of War Down Under and find out about uh, the review of the all the stuff you need to watch out for coming out in the next Codex, etc. But that guy who's taking eleven Artemia Hellhounds, Mitch, and you like. Oh, I mean, oh, it was 14. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh dear God, I actually really kind of don't know what the output is there or what I need to, what, what can he do? Um, that's the stuff that kind of terrifies you because it, it takes some level of deep knowledge in order to get a hard skew going at a high level, correct? Well, so what I would say is I think what you, the advantage to quantify what you're talking about there is you have to give up at minimum a half a turn if they go first and you don't really understand what their army does quite mm -hmm. yet, it's a minimum of a half a turn to gain some semblance of knowledge of, oh, these things are going here, those things are doing this, oh, that thing puts out mortal wounds, okay. Um, like, it, it, And it could be more than that. It could be you go first, you you miss miss move against his army, then you see what it does. Yeah. So that's cost you two turns, or, or, or like, I mean, the, the, that's the, and that's really the quantifiable result when you're playing an off-meta list, and off-meta list, in my opinion, are like it, um, it goes back to something we were talking about in another pod, uh, uh, podcast, where it's you don't want to go where the puck is, you want to go where the puck's going, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's a Wayne, like Wayne Gretzky said that. Like it's it, you're you're not trying to play the meta list, you're trying to play the list 
that breaks the meta list and can still have a chance against everything else. Mm. Because if you can do that, all of a sudden you can kind of bypass the the thing that that everyone is 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 fretting over. Yeah, no, that's that's very well said. I suppose you, what you, what you were saying to, to break down further is your uh, if you're going to go for faction mastery, you're giving up linear power for knowledge disparity. You you want you want to leverage the knowledge knowledge disparity, and but you're giving up linear linear straight line power, which is what medalists tend to leverage more than more often than not. But things like mm-hmm. Inari have both. Um, like that, that was the beauty of the Inari Spears, wasn't it? Like uh, Colin, you had linear power and you had the full swathe of jank possibilities. Yeah, basically, Inari was a problem for the game because I walked up to the table and said, "You have to have two things, three things to beat that mm. to beat me. You need to have incredible knowledge of my army. You need to have incredible army knowledge of your army, and you have to be better than me." Yes, and that's not a good place for the game. That's not a good place for yeah, the game correct. to be. And that's what the problem was. When when Chuck and I would practice with it, Chuck would say, there's so many options. Mm-hmm. And Chuck, I don't remember exactly how you put this, so feel free to interrupt <laughs> me and take this over. But there were so many options. Do you remember this? Uh, so many options on my turn that you couldn't make a plan yes. against yeah. me. Because I, there was just too many different things that I could do. You had to build good habits to defeat Yunari? Mm-hmm. Or to even give them a game, you couldn't say, "Okay, well, he's going to do that, and then I can do this to respond to it." You had to be like, "Okay, my stuff has to be this close to each other. I have to not leave this kind of space. Um, I need, you know, like I try to protect, or you know, but you can't just say like, "Oh, he's coming this direction, right?" The the army has no linear path whatsoever. It's going to come at you from the direction that you make the weakest. <laughs> yeah, um, I actually found someone right. had a fun analogy for playing as Yunari and was just like, "Do the opposite of anything you, that makes sense." If you have a good, if you have a good plan, don't do that. He knows what that is. Do the one that's completely ridiculous. Like you know, all your guardsmen, all of them, double move and charge his whole army turn one. Just just charge everything turn yep. one or turn two. Just because it's just going to put him off, and that's all you need to do. And you know that'll or bring hell out. You know, yeah, exactly right. Um, but transitioning, we'll, we'll stay with Chuck if that's okay. Uh, we're going to start talking about some of the the factions that we think kind of might be primed for people to go hunting for for these best in factions. And so naturally, these. We're not probably talking about the the weakest of the weak factions or the obscure like agents of Imperium stuff, and we're not kind of talking about the super meta factions either. We're talking about the ones that people can start dedicating themselves to now that might be in a good position for how they play the game or how they might be poised once they get a codex or a couple of releases to, to be in a good position for people to have mastery of working themselves into 2021, 2022. Uh, can you think of any off the top of your head, Chuck? Um, the ones that I've actually gone to the most have been the, um, the specific Chaos Guide. Uh, because the way that works, you end up with, you know, chaos space marines and mm. uh, demons and all this stuff in your list, um, and it gives you a lot of flexibility within that space. And they're also generally not very uh, competed for. Um, yep, so I think that's one of the spaces that's pretty good. That's really cool, actually, enough. because you well, you can do you can do Slanesh, and then you can take Empress Children and Slanesh Demons, put those together. That's a crazy good list. We know how good that is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think that one's actually probably not on the list this year, based on yeah. how strong Slanesh has come out. Yeah. Right. So which one would you? The others do. Yeah. What would you think would be though? Um, I definitely Zeechus is on the table this year. Mm. Um, is one that's it's easy to pick up. I almost got it uh, not last year, but the year before when events were happening. Um, because it's got a lot of flexibility, it has the ability to fairly regularly go four and one. It's just that you're giving up the chance of winning a GT because going five and zero with it is going to be very, very difficult. Yeah, and that's kind of why I've abandoned it. Right, as I want to sort of push myself to be, I guess, at that that razor edge. Mm. So playing with the list that is in the very top tier of the game, 
Um, and the, you know, you have to you have to make that bargain with yourself to choose one way or the other. Yeah, you got you really got to comp- if you're going for best in fashion. I think there is some level of compromise you have to make with yourself. That's one of, that's one of our topics for part oh. two. Mitch, sorry, mm-hmm. yeah, you go. Oh no, go ahead. No, no, I I I completely agree. I think that that is 100 what you're sacrificing is saying, hey, listen. Yeah, I flat out lose to white scars or whatever the top tier medalist is, and I'm gonna take that hit. But everything else, I can I can hose off the table mm. or whatever your strategy is. Um, I think um, so. We'll get into that later. It sounds like so I won't go too far down that rabbit trail. Uh, for factions that are, um, if you want to get best in faction, I think the easy answer is knights. Yes. Oh, um, good, sure. good. Good choice. Good one. Um, the reason I say that is it's very much a lottery machine of like, there's only a few lists that are going to be really good. Pick one of those lists that you like the most, like maybe tweak it for your flavor. And then you just need to go to as many events as possible. (laughs) And it's, 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 it's the roll of the dice of what your matchups are. Like you could win a You could win a a GT. You could go, you could go six and one at a super major, like. It, it could be anything. Mm, you just got to go and do it. Legit, I was about to, you took the words out of my mouth. Like, there are some factions you can pick on that you just, all you need to do to get a, have a good chance of best in faction is take the, the best, the, one of the, the better lists that that faction can do and be prolific. Because eventually, like, you take a big yeah. ass gatekeeper like Knights and you go to enough GTs, you'll get a dream run and you'll find yourself on the top table. Whether you win or not, who knows? But you go to enough, you'll just get the dream run where you just gatekeeper out a bunch of a bunch of people, and you will you will find yourself in winning positions. You'll get a couple of tear whips, and uh, I think well, that's it, a really exciting thing to point it's, out. It's a low stress way, like yeah, you travel to events. You're gonna have a good time. Your games aren't gonna be too mentally taxing. Like it's not a bad way to go. Uh, <laughs> yeah that's right and your opponents know you're like hey man like game round five round five round six everyone's sleepy tired possibly hung over you're like cool this one's going to be done in an hour and 10 minutes at least i'll get to rest and i'll get lunch so people don't hate you either for it it's yeah it's real good um yeah, but- uh, other than that i would say uh Space Wolves is really competitive right now. I, I really don't think that that's an easy one. That would be the that that's one I've I've done. But like there there are people who have just dedicated themselves to be as good as possible with them, and it's intimidating. Um, but uh, I think Custodes would be the other one that might be a sleeper. Like you could, because again, it's that roll of the dice. You go to enough events with a good list. Like you just got to roll enough three up or four up inbos and you might yeah. get the top table all of a sudden. Yeah. You're just going to have so. your, your day and your dice is going to be like, yeah, we're rolling only threes today. Yeah, we're good. Um, Colin, any to add to that? Yeah. I think that one of the things to think about is an army that you like, that is part of a, a common thing that's souped because the way the ITC changed it is that uh, soup is its own mm. thing. And so if you are, so like, for example, um, Harlequins, I think, is a reasonable, maybe not right at this exact moment because Harlequins were like the only good elf for a while of Agreed. Ninth Edition. But now Harlequins aren't going to be, we're not going to see Harlequins nearly as much because Drakari is really good. Eventually, someday we'll get a new codex for Craft Old Eldar. And we know that's where all the elf players will flock to that. But the elf mega faction is often souped. So the big one to win is usually Eldari, not like the specifics. True. So, um, it, that, like if you you can just say i'm gonna play with all this power it's not quite as good but you know mono's buffed lately right so it doesn't you know so like as everybody else gets new books says oh well there's a new blah 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 book now everybody's souping in uh whatever craft old elder with the harlequins well 
those people aren't competing with me anymore. And you just pick that road and you just stay on that road. And it doesn't even need to be something obscure like Harlequins. It can be Craft World Eldar. Like it can be anything that you're seeing, uh, seeing souped a lot works. Guard would be a great one for that, mm-hmm. right? Guard is being uh, put with sisters and blood angels and custodes and all this different stuff competitively. Just do guard by itself. Is it perfect? No. Are you going to lose to a close combat army at, at, at once in a while? Yes. So be it. That's a really good point yeah. about positioning yourself within the meta um, to take advantage of what people prefer to do, like with things like these glue factions. Um, so, yeah, dude, spot on. Uh, Chuck, did you have anything to add? I was just going to say, I think that was a much more eloquent way of saying what I was trying to say with the uh, picking a chaos god, mm-hmm. right? Is you're picking, you're just slightly off of the best list. Yeah. And that, that goes a long way. I suppose yeah, you're narrowing the scope of your competition significantly. I suppose this is the downside with picking some of the the Xenos factions, Necrons, Tau, Orcs. You don't have mm-hmm. you, you just have a bigger pool to con- to contend with because there are so many, especially Orcs. Orcs, I think more than all the rest. Maybe Necrons right now because of how hot they are after their decks. But Orcs has a huge following, a very dedicated and passionate following, and some extremely talented players. Chuck, uh, do you would you aim to go for a best in faction Orcs at some day? And if you do, have you conceptualized how you'd go? about it probably not um yeah i can see myself happening into it on accident <laughs> because i'm doing orcs uh because they're good at the time um but i don't see myself pushing in that particular direction i like having more than one army to choose from and playing different things mm-hmm. so i'm just not very good at buckling down and doing every event with the same army yeah that's fair so i'll probably get close i think i'll keep being uh, the bridesmaid kind of thing I think I could see you, of all the armies you play, Chuck, the only one I could see you playing for the whole year is Orcs. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's just because Orcs would have to have enough good a good enough rule set that they're competitive all year. You simply have more fun playing them. Yeah. Right? And they would have to, if there was so, like multiple If they were builds, really, really good, I could That sort of thing. That's a, that's a big piece of that for me, right? If, there's, if there was, you know, a buggy build and a, mm. a boys build that you know did the work then maybe i'd be more interested oh so you you need the super oh man too. that's him throwing shade at the at the buggy build that <laughs> exists right now so you're you're saying that <laughs> oh, actually i'm on the buggy build and off the boys build so <laughs> no oh. I, i'm kidding i know i uh, i watched the game on the on the weekend it was mm. good so you're mm. saying your the faction you're on needs to be internally balanced well enough to give you room to maneuver you, you're not somebody like colin mm-hmm. who can just play uh spear spear yunari i love it, it excites me i'm just going to play it for six months you can't really do that no, I have to tinker with my list. Mm. I, I can't help myself. Uh, it's awful. But I'm not, sorry, I'm not saying Colin didn't tinker with his list. He was always adding in like a Farsia, second Farsia, checking oh, this guy, checking this guy. But what I mean is like an archetype. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> it's about six, and it's about six months. It's about six months. I change when we were going to tournaments. I change about every mm. six months what I was taking. That's about the pace. Yeah. Chuck changes more often than that, but but. Um, like you said, I'm iterating on the same thing. Chuck tends to bounce around a little bit more, but I think if you asked our listeners, they'd say that I'm the one that bounces around. Now that I that's say that loud, so. um, yeah, that, that, yeah. I think, I think I, that's just something you should know about yourself. If you are going for one of these awards, you should know what your can <laughs> can I dedicate myself to a faction? Like, do I have mm-hmm. it in me? It's interesting. Is I don't even know if I need to know if I if I need to. I don't like the restriction to begin with, mm-hmm. so I don't want to. There you go. Nice. So you're saying just knowing it's there means I might not mm-hmm. complain just because I'm like, oh, you're trying to force me. I'm like trying to force myself, but I'm not going to put up with that. <laughs> you 
<laughs> so, all right, let, let's let's paint a picture for for Chuck here for a second. Let's do a bit of a thought exercise. It's um, it's uh, October. It's October twenty twenty one, and you've had a great season, and you find out that you're currently within striking distance of best in faction for the nationally or regionally for X faction. X faction. Can you put in four months on that faction and take it to the LVO straight? Yes, in that scenario, I, I, like if I find myself in that position, I would almost not be able not to. Because uh, the other thing I love more than variety is a trophy, um, <laughs> uh, and that that competition. Uh, like Mitch was like describing earlier with the Necron players, they're all neck and neck, and there's a kind of camaraderie there. Like we're all trying to make this work. I love, I love um, you said neck and neck with orcs. I love that you said neck and neck for the Necron players. That's great. Sorry, <laughs> <Sorry> continue. <laughs> no, uh, but they, particularly with orc players, that community is really strong. Um, so it would be a lot of fun. There'd be a lot of like talking, talking shit to each other and talking shop at the same time. Mm. And I think it would really enjoy that, that four months of play. Um, mm. but that situation has to come out organically first. Yeah, exactly, exactly right. Yeah, no, I, yeah, that's cool. That's good to know as well. Uh, Mitch, any other factions that have come to mind? Uh, no, I think Colin hit something with guard to a degree, but I don't know how, how true that is. is we're just going to have to see. I, like, I think that there are so many people who play guard just out of, just sheer pig-headedness and i'm one of them <laughs> let's too. be clear i'm not yeah like it's not there's no shade being cast like i i want them to work and i i just think that uh like i, I i'm i'm mr imperium so it's just knights and custodes are the ones that come to mind for me i mean you there are actually some really really interesting um in, inquisitorial based armies you can do I've been listening to Ravner and some of the other audiobooks, and uh, I, I got to make myself a little black cover chair uh, <laughs> for my own Inquisitor. But uh, yeah, no, it's it, there. There are some really cool, weird things you can do. Um, Gray Knights, I think, is probably the only other one that comes to mind. If you mm-hmm. really want jank and you want to <clears> bang <throat> your head against a wall, and, and I mean that in the best way possible, because I'm doing it. Gray Knights are a really fascinating faction, and and. At the very least, it's a thought exercise that teaches you a lot about they they look at the board in an entirely different mm-hmm. way currently. Yeah. To me, right now, they're they're the closest thing we have to Yunari. Um, they have that multiple activations in different phases, <laughs> shooting in the shooting and psychic phase, then moving and things like this. Um, they of course they don't have the speed. They don't have you can't just sit on the board and scoot and go X amount of inches. You're always going to have restrictions there. But for my my mind, they have the biggest one of the biggest and deepest pockets when it comes to jank and tools and op- options. The thing is though, uh, while they're still on one wound with like two in termies and stuff, it's just such a big cliff if you ever make a mistake. Yeah, it's it, 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 it no feel good. Yeah, there's no get out of jail free cards. It's just you get punished every time. Um, one I want to talk about is GSC. I feel like GSC is one that is, like we said, has that glue factor between having Brood Brothers and having Tyranids. They seem to be taken as the middle point between them. And apart from having a, a three to four month period in 8th edition where they were mwah, absolutely prime and goodness gold mono, um, they they've always been kind of a glue faction. Uh, on top of that, I feel like there are something that always has a propensity like Guard to be good at playing a mission and good at getting a good score, but they're always going to have this kind of awful counter play against them. Would you guys think that's a, a fair statement? I think it's pretty accurate. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think so, except that the problem with GSC, that, and this is a thing you have to think about too, GSC yeah, is kind yeah. of super trash right now. Like it's in a, it's in, it's maybe in the worst state of every, like it's a, we put it in the F tier, which means F tier means if you take this army mono, 
uh, you the best players in the world can't win a hundred plus person yeah. tournament. That's what F tier meant to us. So then that that means two things, right? That means you're going to lose a lot, but it also means exactly. you can win best in yep. faction easily. Like like the the armies the armies that are super terrible. You're going to go three and two. Or bigger tournaments is really where you need to do it. You're going to go four and two at a big tournament, and that's going to give you so many points that you're going to mm-hmm. be out in the lead on that faction. <laughs> but you have to be someone who's comfortable with that. And I know that's yeah, and it's, it's another thing I want to quickly talk about. Uh, there's two kind of ways that I've found are going, because I've tried to win a, be- a couple of best in factions myself. And in Australia, I've won a couple of guard ones. But um, uh, there's two ways that I always thought about it, and that's jumping on a faction at the beginning of a year, regardless of whether it's good or bad, and racking up as many scores as you can, and then just hopefully positioning in yourself that other people are deterred. Like, you become a deterrent for other good players to mm. try and catch mm-hmm. you. Um, and this is kind of the, the internal metagame within these super factions and factions. And the other one is just plugging away for an entire year for full dedication. But the reward for doing it the other way, just saying, okay, for the first three months of this year, Every big tournament, playing playing mono space wolves as Mitch as Mitch might do, and because he puts up and racks up, you know, a bunch of decent you know decent scores, a bunch of the other players who might be looking at, at doing something like that. Okay, I can't win uh, the LVO, I can't win the ITC this year, but I like space wolves. Maybe I can win space wolves, and they go in and look at the scores, and they're like, uh, "There's no way I'm catching Mitch." Okay, I'm, I guess I'm not doing space wolves. How does Blood Angels looking right now? Yeah, that kind of thing. So I think that there is a. If, like, going back to the whole, okay, I'm going to pick this army and I'm just going to play it the entire year irregardless and try and build up a a lead, I think that that is the way to do it, but you need to, as a player, like, if that's your goal, I think that, one, there's no one you can look at more for a model of that than uh, Michael Tempe's journey journey on that. Um, He did that with Necron. Janae. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we saw we saw him do that and he documented it very thoroughly so if that's something that appeals to you you're like yes i'm going to pick x faction and that's all i do and it's ride or die go fo- go listen to those podcasts and i mean reach out to him he's he's a lovely man he'll he'll talk to you but that is um that's the that that's the kind of approach where he did he still didn't win best in faction one of the best necron players on the planet did not necessarily win it, right? Mm. Like that, it doesn't, like you can pursue it. And I think that you have to, I feel like people could pick pick the faction and think, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to attain my goal. And it could really sour you um, if, if that's, how, if you view it as like a foregone conclusion that if I meet X metrics and go to X events, I will win. Like, no, that's not how it's going to work. It's, it's the journey that matters. And you mm. have to look at, okay, I, what are my player growth? Like a points, I think uh, someone who's really great. Uh, I'm really interested to see how this works out for is uh, Jonathan Quinnell on Mob Rules taking up GSC. Right, he's going from oh, Death Guard to GSC um, for a you know to, because he he's like I need to one he needs to keep losing because otherwise he has literally no material and two <laughs> um, he 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 wants to continue to have an army that's hard he feels like it's harder for him to play. And challenges him. And I think that that's a really great approach. Mm. So I think that going for best in faction might be a two year like plan for people of like the first year is saying, hey, this is an army I feel like is going to challenge me and it's going to grow. I'm going to grow with I'm going to play this army. And then year two, I get to show my work. I get to say, hey, mm. I'm now actually going to, to show that I have have been able to master this army and and like demonstrate that I am in the top three. And I think top three 
for a, for an international ranking is probably like a healthy goal. Absolutely. You know, if you if you feel like you you really want to mm-hmm. master a faction, you're gonna dedicate time to it. You know, like number one is happenstance, right? You might live in a country or in a place where you just can't get to the events that other people can. Mm. Like like n- you need to know what what is realistic for what you can afford to do. And maybe that's best in your region, best in your country, you know, and that's awesome. So there's a there's a concept that's started started to coalesce in our community as uh, we get you know people who become essentially more famous so to speak, um, and that's kind of the earning of a name or being a being a known quantity in the community you know having to be a, a, a person other people have to take into account when they're trying to win and that's kind of how I think of it I don't think of it as you know kind of what I am a 40k personality I haven't earned a name in any way but um the these kind of people you, you hear about them guys like Scary who've got just a dedication to a faction. His, his name is synonymous with a faction. Is getting a best in faction the best way to cement some kind of a name or cement yourself in the hobby? Because it's, it's not realistic for people to try and always win every event because there's only one winner and it's usually going to be the guy who's been winning it for the last couple of years, you know? Um, Colin, is this, is this a question you're happy to speak to? Yeah, I think I think that having a podcast and talking about nothing but that faction is a faster path. That's fair. If That's you fair. want to be synonymous with that Bingo. faction. I think that Scary is real. Scary, Scary, is really yeah. good. Scary is really good. I've watched Scary play a number of times. I've never played him, but I've watched him play a number of games. I sat at Kenhammer teams and watched him play for about twenty minutes. Um, and in fact, the only loss our super team at Kenhammer teams had, the only ra- even individual match in the round we lost was John Lennon losing to Scary. <clears throat> so Scary is great. That's not the reason you know who he That's is. That's true, man. <laughs> you know who Scary is because Scar- because Scary is a full time forty k person who needs you to know who he is to, in order for his livelihood to be real. So that's that's Scary. Um, it's interesting the people that are known that way without that. Um, I think yeah. Rich Kilton is a really good example of that, Chuck. Why do you think Rich Kilton is so well known for orcs? Because I think he's well, a first great. Off, he example used to of be this. on Blue Table Painting uh, for their podcasts, so. He made a name for himself in the past. But after that, he is the <laughs> nicest human being that exists. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> he is just a Everyone phenomenal person. Yeah. yeah. And so you get to know him, but also like he doesn't give up. He's he's that write or die. I don't think he owns anything that's not an orc, except for stuff that he's converted into orc stuff. Right. That's, so he's always on orcs. Hmm. I mean, um, you've got guys like uh, Jeff Poole as well for Orcs, and because he he mm-hmm. kind of made his name by having that dream run at the most recent LVO, nobody thought Orcs would make a top eight. No one gave him a yeah. a, a, a B's, you know, whatever. I, I didn't was, have. I was like, hey, what's he doing? I was like, everyone, everyone root for Jeff. He shouldn't be here. He knows it. He's let's love him. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> but he earned it. He crushed. He did freaking amazingly, mm-hmm. and he played phenomenally. There's other people. So you mentioned one before, Alex McDougall, uh, Colin. He is a phenomenal player and doesn't have doesn't necessarily have a podcast, yeah. doesn't have a, a community presence, and yet he's yes. synonymous with those two factions. Yes, well, hive mind factions, I guess. Well, he, he while he isn't on like he doesn't host one. He is on plenty <laughs> of podcasts. If you are seeking out Tyrannin's material, you will probably come across Alex Padul. And that's a good thing. Which could be wrong. Which came first? But, but I, I would also say that I would also say as someone I. No, Alex was not well known at all when we first had him on our show. Uh, so clearly, this is basically what I'm saying. Is he's famous because of. <laughs> I didn't know it. Uh, not what I'm saying. Uh, when I met Al- Alex and I met uh, years three years ago, actually, um, and and the first time we had him on the show, 
nobody knew who he was. And when I talk about Alex in in the tournament scene with it's not with our listeners, a lot of people don't know Alex, but I think that's because mm-hmm. Alex lives in Canada, which is inherently less internet than than America for attention. And and also Alex doesn't get to go to all the big name like he's not he's not going to get to travel with Canada for WTC like there's a yeah. bunch of stuff that gets your name out there but the biggest thing that is that you have to win a big old tournament with that faction and then do the circuit and when I say what I see the circuit is is this podcast three years ago had an idea that every time someone wins a big tournament mm. they would interview that person. And now, um, if you win a big tournament, what, what you get interviewed on 25 podcasts. What podcast, oh, what, what <laughs> so, podcast was that? I can't remember. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I, I don't, don't think anyone does. Not, never uh, heard of it. <laughs> no, I don't, think anyone do, I don't think anybody does. But I think that's what you have to do. If you want people to know who you are of that faction, you so, put yourself that's, out there. that's what happens. Sure. Is I, you, I would, it's not like... I would also yeah, say you there are people who you kind of picked people. up the flag for their podcast, like Don Hoosen has... Uh, or for the not for their podcast for their faction. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so you can you can kind of create you know cultivate a certain level of following, but like it. Uh, what I will tell you is that winning best in faction buys you very little internet credibility. <laughs> um, yeah. Like like it, and it it decays exponentially from the date that it happened. Um, like you'd be surprised how yeah. many people I've talked yeah. to, and I'm like, you know, I like that space wolf list. Like, I mean. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't really think that the. Well, why are you taking Storm Ravens? We can take those now, but I don't know that that's what we should be doing. Um, like, like there's just so many levels of. Uh, it's not something like you do it because it shows a dedication to that faction, mm. and that's the badge of honor, right? Of like, yeah. I cared enough about this faction. I focused hard enough that I was able to represent this faction mm. for this season, and like I, I view it kind of that way. Do you know the guys? Like you're, do you know the guys who are going to remember the most? The ten guys below you on the rankings. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. What you do is you take that trophy and you put it on your display board. Every, yeah. <laughs> uh, when you go to the tournament, you're like, hey, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Eight years ago, I was pretty okay with these. Yeah, guys. man. Watch yourself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but gentlemen, I think on that uh, we will call an end to this uh, part one of uh, this this episode. So thank you so much, gentlemen. Anything you'd like to plug or say before we wrap up? Uh, just please come check us out. We'd really appreciate you to, you giving us a listen or checking us out on on YouTube. Basically, if you type in the Best in Faction podcast anywhere, you're going to find our Facebook. You're going to find our Twitch. You're going to find our um, YouTube. And we would just we would just be thrilled to have you. As, have and you uh, they haven't said it, but they things. also have a Patreon. Um, and I'm going to plug it for them because it has one of the best and most active Discord um, servers of anyone, of any in the community. And if you want to be in a place where a lot of thinking and a lot of awesome stuff gets done, definitely worth a look in. Yeah, definitely love them. Yeah, it's um, great patrons. Well, I, I I don't normally pitch that on other. I don't normally pitch right. that I on it, other people's fine. shows. I, I did it. I got it. Uh, so yeah. I wasn't going to say it, but yeah, no, it's fine. It's patreoncom biffpod. We have a couple hundred person Discord that is active twenty four seven. Lots of forty k mm. talk, but lots of off topic talk as well. If you if you want to spend three hours talking about <laughs> why centaurs um, should be built differently and what's wrong hey, with centaurs and why they shoot arrows, is well, existing infrastructure needs to be adapted for centaurs. We shouldn't make centaurs adapt for existing infrastructure. Sweet mother of mercy. 
right. On that note, gentlemen, thank you so much for your okay. time. Thank you so much for your candor and your brains. And uh, hopefully you guys will all join us over on part two. We're going to continue this discussion. We're going to deep dive into some of the pitfalls you might come across in your journey, seeking your best in fashion, the highs, the lows, dealing with disappointment, expectations, and burnout. Um, join us over there, artofwar40k.com or the Art of War Down Under on Patreon. Please join in, get involved. We would love to have you. Thank you, Chuck. Thank you, Colin. Thank you, Mitch. Love your work. Love you, gentlemen. And good night. Bye. Love you, too. Thank you for listening to Art of War Down Under, a content review podcast for Warhammer 40K. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Enjoyed the show? Want your lists reviewed and the content you heard put into practice? Sign up to our Patreon and connect with us online or on Facebook. Just search for Art of War Down Under. Signing out from tomorrow.